Welcome back to True Patriot Ministries. I'm Chris Algrimson. Thanks again for being here today. Uh, today we're going to continue on the series, Anxiety. Now we did an intro last week, and we just kind of went over some basics on it. Today I want to start getting into some scripture and do a little teaching on this. Because anxiety is something that, that unfortunately, the devil is adept at using to limit and distract people from doing what God truly called them to do. And if you're in a position where you, you just feel like, you know, hey, what do you mean what God called me to do? I'm like nothing, you know, worthless. I have no value. I don't even know who I am. Don't worry about it. You can, you can just sit through and, and listen and, and watch these uh, videos on this series and just let God start showing you through this how much He truly loves you. You see, God loves you no matter what. He can't always operate in you, through you, because of sin in your life. But the sin in your life doesn't prevent Him from loving you. It just prevents or stalls out or, or uh, throws up a roadblock, if you will, in that relationship, that personal intimacy between you and He. And so uh, that's, that's something that will, those roadblocks are going to start falling through this series. I truly believe that. And so let's just walk in this series and, and uh, no matter how you feel about yourself, or what others say about you. Let's just walk through this and see what God has to say to you and, and how He wants to equip you to defeat what the devil is trying to do in your life. Because He has good things for you. And He wants, He knows the plans for you that He has. Go Jeremiah 29, 11, for I know the plans that I have for you. Plans for good, not plans to harm you. And so, let's just dig right on you. Glory to God. So, anxiety. Uh, what you seek. Alright? So, let's talk about what you have. So, you're already fully aware of what you have around you that is making you anxious, unsettled. Some of those things are work-related issues. Uh, it could be a pressure to perform. You could have a manager or a boss that just, you know what, it's, we're in a, a time where inflation is sky high. Jobs, jobs are available, but they're not filling as many jobs as they could because, well, bottom line is it's costing them more money to run their company. And so whatever that company is, they may, maybe they're putting more pressure on you. Maybe they let somebody go and you're doing two people's jobs. Maybe they let two people go and you're doing three people's jobs. But your pay didn't increase. Or they're telling you, look, if you do good at this, then we can promote you and you'll get a pay raise and blah, blah, blah. You know, it, these kind of pressures to perform. Uh, it, even They can even use guilt. Look, I really need you to pull this out because if you don't do this, this company's going to close. And, and those are pressures that you get through work. Um, you can get bullying, you know. Bullying is so 
rampant. And, and people say, oh, well, we're adults. How does bullying have anything to do with the workplace? And I'm going to tell you, it's easy. You could be a go-getter and a hard worker, and you come into a position in a, a new company for you, and you just do what you have been raised to do, which is work hard and get things done. And yet you may be coming into an environment where there are multiple others in that environment who have been brought up to go, oh, no, you do the bare minimum. And you enjoy your day by walking around and chatting with fellow employees and, and talking on your telephone and those kinds of things. Maybe you come into that environment as a hard worker. Well, now those people, because now the boss is looking at you and, and saying, okay, wait a minute. Now, you just came in, but you're already outperforming these people. And why is that? And then what happens is that boss will start talking to those people and saying, hey, look, uh, y'all need to get it together because this person's already outperforming you and they've only been here a short while. So why are you talking on the phone so much uh, outside of work in the workplace? And why are you visiting with so-and-so all the time? And, and why is your lunch break so long? Why aren't you hitting the standards that we're supposed to hit? And, and this person comes in new and they're hitting all of the standards. So again, that's bullying because what will happen is those people will start coming to you and saying, uh, we don't like you. And, and they'll be snide and, and those kinds of things. And where you're helpful to them, when you turn around and ask them for help, they're going to they're gonna talk to you in a negative tone and why should we help you with your job and blah, blah, blah. And, you know, it just, it really gets ugly and it can get clickish. And then, you know, instead of one person being in confrontation with you, maybe you've got three people in confrontation with you because they just have not done the job they were assigned to do out of laziness. And they look at you and they say, well, you need to come down to our level because we're not coming up to yours. And if you won't come down to our level, we're going to be mean to you until you leave because we don't want you here. So bullying, not enough pay. Not enough pay is hard. That's a pressure. That really is. It's a work-related issue where, uh, you know, maybe you've got to accept the position. And because you've accepted the position at a lower pay and you have to work through the ranks to get a higher pay, or they keep telling you, oh, yeah, a pay raise is coming and it never comes. But it causes you to have to go outside of that workplace to a second job, a second way of making income. This, that's pressure. That is a work-related issue. These are things that can, can contribute to anxiety. Uh, working too many hours. Working in poor conditions. No windows. Poor lighting. Computer crashes all the time. Telephones that only work once in a while. Uh, those kinds of things. No vending machines. Whatever it is, it's, it's an environment that creates a poor working condition. You, what you have, okay, because that's the title of this, what you have right here, uh, maybe home-related issues, okay, marriage problems. 
Maybe your husband is hanging out with the guys after work drinking beer and they're all bad-mouthing their wives and so he's bad-mouthing you and he comes home and he treats you uh, rudely, you know. Uh, or maybe your wife is hanging out with the girls from the office and, you know, their husbands make more money and that kind of thing and they have better social status and so when the wife comes home from work, it's, well, why don't we have this and why don't we have and so-and-so and... And so you can have marriage problems. And I, that's not the only problem. I mean, there could be adultery. There could be um, not being able to have children or having too many kids or whatever it is. There can be marriage problems that just really, really create an environment of anxiety. Your children could be acting out, among other things. You could have too many bills, not enough money, Okay. Uh, maybe you're not married, maybe you're single, maybe you don't have a spouse at home to visit with or a, a girlfriend or a boyfriend that you can go home to and, and visit with and share things with. And so you just feel like there's nobody there for you. You're all alone. You get to have family issues. You get to have parents that don't understand what you're going through. Uh, because in their generation, they didn't go through those things that way. They went through them differently. Okay. You could have a, an abusive family member. You could be embarrassed by your living conditions. Now, let's talk about what you seek. What you have can cause you so much stress and anxiety that you may not even realize that you should be seeking. So, the number one thing in my opinion, that people seek is hope. Hope for relief. Hope for a friend or a spouse. Somebody who can come alongside them so they're not alone. Hope for an increase in income. Lord, if I could just have an increase in income, I wouldn't have to work two jobs. Uh, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't uh, drop my kids at, at the babysitters at six in the morning and pick them up at nine at night. Lord, I, I, if I only had more money, hope for a better car, a better house, a better job. Maybe you're living in a mobile home and you would actually like to live in a house house, you know, and, and mobile homes aren't a bad thing, guys. We all start somewhere. Okay. And, it's, but it's that hope, that hope for something better. Um, so I'm going to tell you this. The world can't give what it doesn't comprehend. So the, the world belongs to Satan, in a sense. He's the God, little g, of this world. And uh, even though Jesus claimed victory over him, He's still running around tormenting man because man allows him to torment. And Jesus told us we are, we are aliens, we are foreigners in this world because when you get born again, when you become a new creation, you are a creation from heaven above. You're a spiritual creation. You're now foreign because you're a resident, a citizen, an ambassador of the kingdom of God, but you're here in the world. Okay, so we are in this world, but not of this world. 
the world can't understand the things of God. Darkness does not comprehend the light. And so we need to realize that. The world is not going to comprehend. So if you're going to, let's say, if you go to a worldly psychiatrist, psychologist, whatever it is, they're not going to understand in a, in a godly way what you're going through and what a godly answer might be. They're going to give you whatever the latest, greatest theory or science or both say is, is proper for you. Nowadays, a lot of times it's medication. Okay, so we've got light from darkness. It doesn't, the world doesn't comprehend. It's incorruption from corruption. You cannot expect the world that is corrupted to give you incorrupted things. Only God can do that. Sanity from insanity. If you look back through time, this world is insane. The definition of insanity is to continue doing the same thing over and over but expecting different results. This world has repeated day after day, year after year, has repeated the same things, the same sins, the same abominations, the same darkness, uh, the same evil deeds, whatever you want to call it, over and over and over again. That's insanity. You are not going to get sanity from the world, but only through Christ. Reality from deception. Reality is through Jesus. Okay? Deception falls under darkness, under corruption. That's what the world lives in. It lives in deception. It's never going to give you truth because truth is through Jesus. Truth is not through the world. So hope comes through Jesus. Okay? Now, Wish. I want to get into this because a lot of people go, well, I hope. I hope. But it never happens. Or I hope and, and whatnot. And I hope I get that job. I hope I make it home on this tank of gas. I, I hope my son gets better. And really what they're saying is I wish. Because they have no conviction in it. I wish... I could get home on this tank of gas. I wish my son would get better. I wish this. I wish that. So let's talk about a wish. Wishing is uh, to have a desire or a strong desire either for what is or is not supposed to be obtainable. So it doesn't even have to make sense. But you've got a wish or a desire for it. It usually expresses less than long, but sometimes it denotes to long or to wise earnestly. We often wise or wish for what is not obtainable. I wish I could win the lottery. It would be, uh, I could solve all my problems. So the devil has twisted the word hope in this world to mean wish, and he sold it to the world. He keeps changing words. On us, He takes God's truth, He perverts it by twisting it around and making it something that God did not make it. And man buys it. And when man buys it, 
well then they wonder why things start to happen in their lives. So what is the definition of hope? So hope is confident expectation. Okay? It's a desire of some good accompanied with at least a slight expectation of obtaining it or a belief that it is obtainable. That's a huge difference from wish. Hope differs from wish and desire in this, that it implies some expectation of obtaining the good desired or the possibility of possessing it. Hope, therefore, always gives pleasure or joy, whereas wish and desire may produce or be accompanied with pain and anxiety. So there's a difference between the two. Now, in the Greek, hope is elpis, E-L-P-I-S. That's not the Greek spelling of it. That's our translation of it. Um, it's uh, G-1860 in the Strong's. And it comes from elpo, which is the primary word, to anticipate, usually with pleasure. It's ex expectation, abstract or concrete, or it's confidence, faith, hope. Hope, faith, and belief are companions. Okay? Sometimes belief is contrary to hope and faith. And, and what do I mean by that? Belief or unbelief. Belief can activate faith. Unbelief can kill faith. Okay? So let's go to Hebrews 11.1. 1. We're going to start getting into some Scripture here. This is in the King James. Hebrews 11.1 1 says, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. In the NASB, now, faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. In the Amplified, now, faith is the assurance, the title deed, the confirmation of things hoped for, things divinely guaranteed, and the evidence of things not seen, the conviction of their reality. Faith comprehends as fact what cannot be experienced by the physical senses. The Amplified Classic. Now, faith is the assurance. It is the confirmation, the title deed, of the things we hope for, being the proof of things we do not see and the conviction of their reality. Faith per perceiving as real fact what is not revealed to the senses. Are you getting a picture of Hope and faith here. Faith shows, this is the NLT, faith shows the reality of what we hope for. It is the evidence of things we cannot see. The Passion Translation. Now, faith brings our hopes into reality and becomes the foundation needed to acquire the things we long for or hope for. It is all the evidence required to prove what is still unseen. Now you understand the difference between wishing and hope. Okay, that's 
what we want to do is establish the difference between wish and hope. Wishing requires very little effort or belief on our part. Uh, you could pick up a catalog and thumb through it and see something and go, man, I wish I had that. That's different than picking up God's Word and you're finding a Scripture and you go, God says I can have that. I'm going to hope in that. I'm going to believe in that. I am fully convicted of that. I have confident assurance of that. That is mine. And I have hope that it will manifest in my life. It's a different than wishing. Wishing typically does not go beyond even thinking, how is it even possible for me to obtain it? Because you never feel like it's possible. Hope requires us to be aware of a thing. That we may have a confident expectation in it. That's why it's so, so important to be in the Word of God. Even if you don't comprehend it, continue to stay in the Word of God. Look, guys, you've read books that weren't worth reading. Okay? And you didn't put it down until you finished because you had that hope that it would get better. Or that wish, I should say, because you didn't know if it would or wouldn't. You wished it would get better. And you kept going until you hit the end and you went, well, that never got better or it got better. The Word of God, it, it doesn't matter if you comprehend it or not, okay? Because nine times out of ten, the non-comprehension is your mind. The Word of God doesn't work on the mind as much as it works on the heart or the spirit of a man. And so even if your mind is not catching it, your spirit man is eating it, okay? It's feeding your spirit. And so continue to read in the Word of God, even if you do not understand it. because, And, and read it through. It, you know, it, Read through the Psalms, the Proverbs. Read through the New Testament. Uh, if the Old Testament gives you trouble, give it a break for a little while. Stay in the New Testament for a while. Read it through. And then read it through again. Don't stop reading the Word of God. Read it through. Okay? And, and because what happens is God will take what you read the first time and the second time you go through it, He will expound on some of that. He will give you revelation okay, on it. You will gain knowledge and understanding going over it again and again and again. It's just to meditate the Word. okay. So let's jump into Jesus as our hope. Because I want to leave you on a good note, right? And so let's talk about Jesus as our hope. In Hebrews 3.6, and this is out of the Passion Translation, it reads, But Christ is more than a servant. He was faithful as the Son in charge of God's house. And we are part of His house. If we continue courageously to hold Firmly to our bold confidence and our victorious hope. You get that? Hope is victorious. Why? Because we have faith combined with our hope and our belief that the promises of God in the Word of God are true 
And he says his promises are yes and amen. It doesn't matter if we comprehend it initially or not. We feed it to our spirit man. That belief, that faith, that hope will well up inside us. Glory to God. Hebrews 12.2 Again in the Passion. We look away from the natural realm and we fasten our gaze on Jesus who birthed faith within us and who leads us forward into faith's perfection. His example is this. Because his heart was focused on the joy of knowing that you would be his, he endured the agony of the cross and conquered its humiliation. And now sits exalted at the right hand of the throne of God. Listen to this podcast again and again. Allow it space in your reasoning that you may benefit from the teaching. And we will continue to build upon this over the coming weeks. Guys, this is so valuable. Anxiety is one of those things that steals from a man and a woman, a child, that which belongs to God. And we don't want that. We want you walking with God. His word says, walk with me. And I'm paraphrasing, walk with me. And my blessing will overtake you. You can't outrun it. You can't outrun the blessing. Glory to God. Just walk with Him. Trust Him. Allow Him to love on you. Maybe you don't feel loved or lovable. You don't feel deserving. You know, you can't deserve. You can't earn. You can't work your way in to Jesus. You can't, you, you, you can't get right with God through your own natural means. Okay? It has to come through Jesus Christ. And so that's why I'm saying, stay in the Word of God. Stay in this series. If you're suffering from anxiety, and that anxiety leads to all kinds of things, guys. But if you're having a problem with that, uh, if you're having a problem with addiction, because addiction to me is just a symptom of anxiety, then I, I ask you, please, stay involved in this. Okay? Don't let it escape you. Because we're going somewhere good. And God has good things for you. Jeremiah 29.11 Take and meditate that word, guys. Take and meditate it. All right? If you're in a desert place, go to Isaiah 58.11 and read and meditate what God will do for you in the dry places. Okay? Glory to God. If you're sick, go meditate Psalm 107.20. Alright? If you've been in an accident and you're recovering from it, go meditate Psalm 107.20 for He sent His Word. Glory to God. God sent Jesus Christ to heal you and to deliver you from destruction. Got it? That's yours. And it's so, so very vital. Look, we love you guys. God loves you guys. And uh, be blessed. We will see you again soon.